Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Oh, Luis Severino. Scratch with shoulder inflammation. And here we go, Chris. Pitchers get hurt all the time. Can't pitch. I, I don't know what, what you're talking about. Well, we know hurt. exactly which pitchers will be good all the time. They, they do get hurt. Right? I mean, this is a, this is a problem, and uh, we are going to talk about that. Luis Severino not going to be ready for opening day. Who will replace him in the Yankees rotation, and what does this do to his draft value? More news from around baseball, and we're going to finish up starting pitchers. We only needed three shows to do it, but we got through fifty players oh, okay. in, in ADP. And uh, we will get through a lot more today with our favorite late round picks, and also the weird thing that happened with Luis Castillo. Um, in average draft position. And good morning to Heath as well. Hey, Heath. Hey, Adam. It's good to see you. I'm just surprised that Luis Severino's ERA from last year didn't prevent him from getting injured. What, the, what on earth does that mean? I can't even I have no idea that. what that means. <laughs> I'm not even sure what you're even trying Chris to do. Even Chris doesn't matters. know what that means. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Also, Salvador Perez is going to be out matters. for the season. So um, mm. I, I spent about five minutes yesterday looking up the pronunciation for one of Salvador Perez's backups uh yeah today also your emails fantasy baseball at cbsi.com we welcome you to the show thanks a lot for listening tell your friends tomorrow we will recap all of our position previews and we have an awesome interview that we did with aaron sauceda of fan of uh <laughs> of sports line to talk about um some advanced stats the aces metric chris uh, it, was, it was fun we talked to tim yesterday we got some good stuff out of aaron yeah, it's really interesting, informative stuff. Um, you can find the article where he introduces and explains it on cbssports.com slash fantasy. I'll go ahead and uh, put that in a cover today so you can see it. And, you know, to see the full results in it, I think it's been really helpful. We talked about it uh, yesterday with Aaron that, you know, I think a big part of why all three of us have started liking Zach Eflin is because he rates out so highly by this metric. So that's one of the places where, you know, We've started to learn a little bit of something, and we've put it to use, and hopefully Zach Elfin has a good season and doesn't make us look bad. Hope so. Uh, so, yeah, you'll, you'll hear that at the end of today's show. And what else do we got? Oh, spring training notes. Lewis Brinson keeps homering. And, oh, Team Name Tuesday on a Wednesday. You know, we haven't gotten to, like, our normal segments, so we'll have some some Team Name Tuesday. I think you say Kikuchi, or Kikuchi is going to be a very popular one. Uh, for example, somebody pointed out you could put his name in the beginning of Lisa Loeb's uh, stay. So I will probably have a team name. You oh. say I only hear what I want to. I know you like that, Chris Towers. It's one of my ten favorite songs ever. Wow. wow. It's it's such a good song. I love that. <laughs> it's it's not a bad song. song. Top ten ever is yeah. saying something. Unbelievable song. All right. Yeah, so Lu- Luis Severino was a top ten pitcher, but shoulder discomfort. And I sound the alarms, like worst-case scenario. Well, no, not worst-case scenario, but uh, a bad scenario. Marcus Stroman had shoulder inflammation in spring training last year. It basically wrecked his season. So let's let Severino just take his time, recover, and get back maybe toward the end of April, something like that. Um, let's start with this. When do you draft Severino at this point? Well, so Clayton Kershaw has fallen to like 80 in some drafts that I've seen. 
Uh, he's actually throwing. Now we think Luis Severino is probably well. I have less concern over Severino because I had concerns about Kershaw before this most recent hiccup. He's had more injuries recently. Okay, coming into spring, before we knew any injuries about either, who did you have ranked higher? Um, I think I may have had, they were right in the same range, and they're right in the same range again. I heard I saw Scott say yesterday he had actually dropped Severino behind Kershaw, and I have Kershaw lower than Scott does. He took him yesterday, I think, in the fourth round of our Roto draft. Yeah. Um. I've dropped Severino to 22 overall at pitcher, which, oh, wow. which is right around sixth round. And Kershaw, I have one spot behind him. Okay, that's really low. I, I, I I'm, I'm not scared. even I'm not even disagreeing. That's just that's lower than I expected for Severino because that gets past the the group of guys that we think are are reliable. Exactly. Give <laughs> <laughs> me reliable. He's, he has a shoulder injury. So who, he's not gonna be ready for opening day. Most who's likely. right in front of uh, Who's right in front of Severino? Uh, it's the Barrios Tyone. Okay. So, but when you when you drop him that low, it's not just like, well, he's gonna miss three weeks and then be fine. It's he's gonna miss some time. We don't know how long. He's gonna miss some time. Right. And but there's still the risk that this could be worse. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he's right in front of, uh, well, I'm looking at Scott's Chris Archer for Scott. He's right, yeah, and, and for Heath. Right in front of Chris Archer, Mon Marquez, Charlie Morton. Um, so Salvador Perez needs Tommy John surgery. He's out for the season. And the two players who, as of now, will replace him for the Royals, Cam Gallagher, who's more of a defensive guy, and I hope this is how you pronounce it. This is how I heard it. Maybreeze Valoria. Uh, more of an offensive guy, but I don't, I don't think, uh, we're not talking. I think you Nick- just set the pronunciation. You're the first person to say his name on a podcast or any broadcast of <laughs> no, any kind. No, that's not so true. This is I, the way that every, I heard it on people a People will be going to YouTube now to find out how to say it. <laughs> I hope so. I figured this would be like, almost like clickbait. How do you find, how do you pronounce Maybreez Valoria? Oh, fantasy baseball today just got a lot more traffic. Uh, we we're don't care. Get nine clicks from that. <laughs> we don't care, right? About these guys? No. No. Yeah. But no. it, it does thin the position out. There were eight that were, you know, sort of solidified. Now there's a top seven, and then Jansen Mejia, and then Alfaro, and the rest of whatever. So, you know, what does this do for you on on draft day with catcher? I mean, it's just it's take one of the elite guys or wait until Danny Jansen. Yeah, there's just one. Yeah, one I I think there's option. other guys that that I'm willing to wait for. I think you've kind of settled on on Danny Jansen as your only one. I'm willing to wait for Carson Kelly, who I think his skill set is pretty similar to Danny Jansen. And he's talked about one of the reasons he struggled over the last couple of years is because he just, every time he'd get called up, he knew, well, there's nothing, literally nothing I can do to earn a job with the Cardinals. And then he, he gets sent back down and your, your motivation's going to wane in that scenario when you just, you know, you have like, we can talk about having internal motivation and everyone should play for the love of the game, but, like, this guy's playing for his career, and he had no chance. So, you know, a top prospect, similar in, in uh, pedigree to, to Danny Jansen, similar skill set, doesn't strike out a lot, has a little bit of pop. So I, I like Carson Kelly. He should be playing every day for the Diamondbacks. And I, and I think one thing we've kind of glossed over so far that could be related to this whole discussion, Yadi Molina has not played in a game yet. He had off-season knee surgery, and they gave Matt Wieters a chance to be their backup catcher, which would be is a pretty big-name backup catcher. I've got a little bit of concern 
about like Molina, I think, needs to be at the very back of that group of the sure thing catchers. Yeah, and Posey's coming off offseason surgery. It just makes Realmuto and Sanchez look a little bit better uh, with all this news coming out. Miguel Sano is out until at least May after surgery uh, to repair a cut near his Achilles. Anything to say about Miguel Sano or the twin situation now? This is probably better for Marwin or Williams' studio. Slow and steady. Yeah, but I'm I'm still going to take Sano late in a roto draft. I still think that there's some sleeper appeal there. Oh, we all know. But I, you yeah, took you took Williams Estadio late in our our roto draft yesterday, and around 240 overall. The expectation would be that Marwin Gonzalez plays pretty much every day at third base to start the season, and Estadio can be. Are you telling me he played it? He played shortstop. In the spring training game. Yeah. I think he was listed originally at shortstop, and then they said, no, that was just a joke. And he <laughs> Fooled you, as we like All to right. say. Uh, but he did play center field last year. Yeah. He has He's a catcher, so you know if he gets four, three or four starts a week, he's probably a viable option as a second catcher. It's like the Twins were trolling Chris with their lineup card. Uh, I'm so yeah. excited. <laughs> Please Kershaw. tell me Justin Bohr actually batted leadoff yesterday. Don't break my heart. Clayton Kershaw, we know he's probably not going to be ready for opening day. And the Nationals are negotiating with Craig Kimbrell, which is just one spot we don't want to see him because we love Sean Doolittle. So, uh, yeah, try don't go there. We don't need to replace one great closer. It, it does not It does not sound like they're going to go okay. there because um, they said their goal is to stay under the luxury tax, and they're like $5 million away from that. So it's pretty much impossible to see how they get Craig Kimbrell and stay under the luxury tax. Yeah, they don't have that luxury. Hey, okay, let's talk about pitchers. (laughs) And one guy we didn't talk about yesterday because something really strange happened in average draft position was Luis Castillo. Because currently, if you look at Fantasy Pros, his average draft position is 296th overall, the 79th pitcher off the board. Uh, Let's just say he's more like 30th in there with Michaelis and Morton and Robbie Ray, Um, maybe even around Zach Wheeler. So you're looking around pick 100 or so for Luis Castillo. And where do you guys rank him? And then after we talk about him, I'll get uh, to 50 and beyond in ADP, and we'll talk about players we like in that range. But first, Luis Castillo, um, what is what is he in your opinion? I, I've got him 28th overall, and it's, I, I mean, we got on a little bit of a Luis Castillo rant, and then it's continued on Twitter, and it made it sound like maybe I don't, like Luis Castillo. I mean, that's it's not like I don't like Luis it's Castillo. It's not true at all, but I I mean, my 27 through 30 is Robbie Ray, Luis Castillo, Shane Bieber, Nick Pavetta. I'd like to have two, three, maybe even four of those guys in my roster. Okay. So that, I don't disagree, and, and I think he's in that range. The, the upside is obvious. And I believe I saw he's working on a new pitch, and I think that would be at least expanding his arsenal. And that to me, because he sort of reminds me of Severino, uh, you know, really good in first year, took a step back into second year, but not to the degree that Severino did, where he was basically banished to the bullpen. And Severino added a changeup in his third season. Castillo already has a changeup, but if he can get, you know, his slider going more and be a real three pitch pitcher, I think it would take him to, to new heights. Could be really important for him. So having said that, let's go down the list here. And we started where we ended with Kevin Gosman and Sean Newcomb. And the next guy off the board is Tyler Glass now. Hyunjin Ryu, where are we in the draft? We're at 50 at starting pitcher, and we're at about 190 overall. And, uh, you know, some, I mean, Glass now really jumps out to me, but Gossman, Newcomb, Glass now, Ryu, Kikuchi, 
who is going to be on somewhat of a, a weird pitching schedule. Like every fifth or sixth start, they're just going to basically throw him for a few innings. That's what they say anyway, like a bullpen day. So you do have to keep that in mind. They're going to limit his innings. John Gray is also in this range. So, yeah, it's some some good names here. Uh, I imagine Glass now and Gray are going to be your favorites, but maybe I'm wrong. You tell me, guys. Break down Gossman, Newcomb, Glass now, Ryu, Kikuchi, Gray. Anyone. I like Glass now. There you go. I, I, I really like Glass now. Of this group, he's probably, well, Ryu as well. It's just a question of whether he can stay healthy, and the answer's probably no given his track record, but when he is healthy, I think he's very good. Probably not. Did he have a sub two ERA last season or something like that? Uh, he probably won't be that good, but you know, I, I think he's fine in this range. You can't really make a mistake at this point in the draft. Um, but when I'm targeting the pitchers with upside in this range, I probably steer more toward, more towards glass now, especially in a head to head points because you get that spark eligibility. But I think he has more realistic upside than. Gosman, Newcomb, and Kikuchi, who I I do like as well. My favorite of this group, and, and most of these ADPs when we're talking are in Roto, because most of the other sites are doing Roto leagues. So Glasnow is definitely my favorite in a head-to-head points league, but I don't. This is not that's not what we're looking at here. You're not going to get him here in that format because he's a sparp. Um, John Gray's my favorite, and he had a terribly both unlucky and bad year last year. Got sent to the minor leagues, got left off the playoff roster, and deservedly so. He had some problems maintaining his weight. Apparently he couldn't eat on days when he was pitching, and he's tried to make some changes there, and then also added a lot of weight in the offseason to try to get through the season. I still think there's a pretty good chance John Gray is the best pitcher on the Rockies. Even last year, when in a down year, the control was still good, the strikeouts were still there. I expect him to have a major bounce back here. Okay, so that's not a bad range, and you know this is again we're fifty picks in. So in a twelve-team league, you know for a lot of people this could be a fourth or fifth starter. If you're going a little pitching heavy, maybe you're talking bench guys at this point. But you know I, I feel like we'd be okay with these guys as a number five starter. Just take. I'm not that excited about Kevin Gosman. I wasn't sorry, excited I before, and now he's got a shoulder yeah. thing. Like no thanks. No. Okay, yeah, he pitched well for the Braves in terms of run prevention and whip, but he did not get the strikeouts. And he also beat up on the Marlins a couple times, the Pirates a couple. Yeah, he'll do that again. But uh, All right, let's and, go past and, Gray. Yeah, uh, sorry, Chris. And Sean Newcomb, I just think the potential's there. I just It's one of those situations where like he hasn't shown enough of the actual skills that he needs to take the next step. That at, at this point, it's still a lot of projection without, you know, he, he's not quite young enough and he's not quite inexperienced enough where we can say, well, he's got, you know, this big leap. He could make that leap, but we haven't seen enough of it yet where I'm making a point to target him. I, I'd still rather have him than Gosman. Yeah, sure. That's Sean Newcomb. Jake Arietta, Alex Wood, Alex Reyes, Ross Stripling, Josh James. A lot of potential here, a lot of upside. Guys you might want to keep on your bench. Not all of them. I don't think I'm drafting Three guys who may not have a rotation spot. In Stripling, Reyes, and James, right? But Arietta... Reyes looked good yesterday. I mean, there's a ton of potential. Obviously, a ton of potential there with Alex Reyes. Yeah. Um, I want to draft him. Uh, Hopefully you have deep enough benches where you can stash him. But there's a chance Reyes makes the opening day rotation, right? I think at this point there's a pretty good chance. Um, 
you know, with Carlos Martinez ailing, it doesn't sound like he's going to be ready. They've, they've, every indication is Alex Reyes is getting a real legitimate shot. So it's just a question of can he get stretched out enough and can he stay healthy? Last year we saw he made one start and then broke down in the majors. So that's really the only question for me. I think he's awesome. Um, at this point, yeah, obviously you take the risk on him at 222 overall. All right, what about the rest of them? Alex Wood, pretty consistent pitcher. Velocity's, you know, he's getting a little worse. And James is really exciting, but he's injured currently with a ca- quad, quad injury, quad, quad, quad. injury. I feel like we, I feel like you guys don't want Jake Arrieta. Heath, that's the thing though, and I, I, this is right about the range that I rank him in. I think there's a pretty good chance that we were too down on Jake Arietta at the beginning of the year. He's not going to be Jake Arietta where he's a top 20 starting pitcher. But there's a probably a pretty good chance that he's going to give you a decent amount of innings. He's going to win some games. And his ratios aren't going to be as bad as they were last year. We've talked a lot about with the young, exciting Phillies pitchers, how we're more excited about their defense being better. For a guy like him that's not striking anybody out, that should help him out quite a bit. And... He did have an injury last year that he kind of pitched through for a while. There may not be a huge difference between him and like Cole Hamels and David Price. You know, similar age, similar recent track record. Arguably, his track record's better than either of those guys over the last three or so years. Um, I, I think it's one of those situations where there's been a decline, and then that decline makes us overstate the present value. He's not exciting, but. You know, 180 innings of a, a mid to, or a, a, a mid to high three ZRA can can have value on what we think is going to be a good team, especially if you get it 60th overall instead of 30th overall. That's right. Pitching. So we're about 60 pitchers in now to ADP, and I think we've got a few more, and there will be some late guys that we really like. But like the next group of five or ten, we're still going to find some names that are pretty exciting that you could see potentially having a great year, consistently being in your rotation in your lineup. And then I, I personally think it's going to get a little thin after that. But let's keep going. Uh, after Stripling and Josh James and Alex Reyes, Alex Wood, Arietta, we've got uh, Kenta Maeda, Colin McHugh, Zach Godley, Julio Tehran, Joey Lucchese, and my guy Tyler Skaggs. So that group of six there, there's some some good names. Maeda, McHugh, Godley, Lucchese, Tehran, Skaggs. I know Scott talked about McHugh yesterday as one of his sleepers. I just want to point out, like, I— I don't know what you can really take away from last year. His numbers were amazing because he was in the bullpen the entire year. Uh, when he's been a starter, he's been good, not great. He gives up a ton of hits, but maybe he can carry over something. But, yeah, again, I mean, these are exciting pitchers to have on your bench. Um, I'll read the names one more time, and I'll let you guys talk about them. Maeda, McHugh, Godley, Lucchese, Tehran, Skaggs. Yeah, Maeda and McHugh both are guys that you're a lot more excited about in a points league because they are eligible for that SPARP eligibility. I still like Maeda in a roto league because I feel pretty confident he's going to be good for about three months until the Dodgers decide to take his money away and make him pitch out of the bullpen for a while. The one, though, that I think is just way underrated is Zach Godley. And he is a guy whose control got away from him just a little bit last year. I think I may have mentioned him as my sleeper on the first uh, pitcher's episode, um, I, I think there's a really good chance he gets back to being a top 40 starting pitcher this year. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say he's underrated. I just think he has the upside that a lot of guys... like. I think you could make the same argument for Tyler Skaggs, where he was, he was kind of as good as we were hoping Zach Godley could be for most of last season, 
And then, Adam, you've said a, a couple times he's pitched through that adductor strain at the end of last season, and it just tanked his numbers. Uh, yeah, but he, I don't think he's ever made it through a full season without an injury. Sure, sure. Uh, I don't care at this point, though. It's 67th pitcher off the board, 230th right. overall. Like, like Kenta Maeda... Kenta yeah. Maeda's not going to pitch a full right. season. Yeah, but, I, I just, um, I really believe in Skaggs. I mean, it's funny because we're going to talk about him with Aaron. We talked about him yesterday. You'll hear it soon. Um, and why Skaggs doesn't measure up so well on the Aces scale. And it, it, that's actually something really interesting that you need to hear about. But when I see him, I see a really, like, pretty talented pitcher. His curveball is ridiculous. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of potential but, there. I, not counting on him for the entire season, I guess. But, I but think Adam, he's, he's never had an ERA below four. Yeah, but he did when he was healthy last year. So, uh, so like, like and, way and below like, four, below three, in fact. You're not counting on him. You shouldn't, and, and this gets into our larger philosophical debate, but for most pitchers outside of really the top 30, you shouldn't count on them because, so I did some research sure. last, last night and, uh, Ariel Cohen, who is a, He's written at Fangraphs. He's one of our Sportsline contributors. He did a piece earlier this offseason about why you should pay up for aces. And he looked at the success rate of the top 12 players, the top 12 pitchers last year versus everyone else. And it was like the success rate of top 12 pitchers was like 66%, which is really good. For pitchers 13 through 32, it was a 70% bust rate. For pitchers 33 through 57, it was a 71% bust rate. So when we talk about like, well, I don't want to rely on Tyler Skaggs, this gets to my point, which is that I don't know how many pitchers you can actually rely on. So at, at some point, you just want as many bites at the apple as possible. You identify skill sets like Tyler Skaggs that could be really good and go from there and try to get as many of those guys as you can. Preferably, you know, if you can get them in the 50 to 60 range of starting pitcher, you're minimizing your risk while still getting that upside. Yeah, and, and I think we've that, said that's enough. kind of my philosophy. No, I don't. I don't disagree with that. Uh, I mean, probably a little more bullish. Right now, on you don't. <laughs> no, I'm probably a little more bullish on pitching than you are. But I understand that a lot of these guys could be busts starting from one on down. But I, I think what we're what we're the point we're we're showing here is that once you get past the 50s and all the way through basically the 70s, at least so far, um, and we still have Shasin. Marco Gonzalez, who we talked about as a sleeper a couple days ago. Joe Musgrove, who was pretty good. Um, then, I, you know, gets a little dicey after that. Uh, there are a lot of names. So if you only have, like, four pitchers and you fill out the ro- your rotation with Alex Reyes, Kenta Maeda, Tyler Skaggs, Zach Godley, you know, some combination of that, even if maybe you only have three pitchers at that point and you're loaded up on hitters, might be okay. A uh, lot of good – a lot of – Good upside guys here. So who else? Um, we can't go through everybody in ADP. So just tell me who else. I know, Chris, you like Marco Gonzalez. Who likes Joe Musgrove? Mm-hmm. Rodon, Derek Rodriguez, Trevor Williams. Just give me some names that you guys are targeting late. I've got names. I like Jesus Lazardo. I think he has really almost as much upside as somebody like Alex Reyes this year just because I think their innings are probably going to be similar, and he's pitching in a great park just like Reyes, and he's had phenomenal success. I like Luke Weaver a lot where he's going. Uh, Vince Velasquez is a guy. We've talked already about Zach Eflin, and I do kind of still have a little bit of hope at the very end of the draft for Carlos Rodon. 
Yeah, I'll throw uh, Ronaldo Lopez, Jimmy Nelson, Sonny Gray. Uh, Kyle Gibson has had flashes. Um, I think you, Julio Arias was yeah. hitting 98 miles go. per hour in his uh, spring training yes. start the other day. He's not actually a starter, starting pitcher, I don't believe. Okay, I he think he's get, RP yeah, only. But yeah. he has a good chance to be in the opening day rotation. Um, you know, he'll he'll have innings limits, but is there a pitcher we have we've mentioned since the 30s that hasn't had innings limits or or innings concerns? Um, you know, he was 19 when he made his major league debut. It feels like he's been around forever. He doesn't turn 23 until like midway through this season. Uh, so he's still super young, super talented. Um, I think there's still ace potential with Julio Arias, especially if he's, you know, really throwing high 90s uh, again. So there's a there's still a ton of upside uh, at this point in the draft when you're filling out your reserve spots. I think you you want to draft as many of these guys as possible for your bench and just see who sticks and cycle through them. I mentioned Marcus Stroman in points leagues. I think he could bounce back, give you a lot of innings, quality starts, that kind of stuff. Uh, there was one other. Oh, yeah, just keep an eye on the Braves rotation, whether it's Tuki Toussaint, Mike Soroka, good prospects here. Luis Gahara. I love Gahara. Luis Gahara. If he's healthy, I think he he could be the best pitcher on that staff. Yeah. I, and and Tehran wasn't so bad last year. I mean, he's terrible. Frustrating. <laughs> he's absolutely he's frustrating. awful. He doesn't deserve to be in the major leagues. <laughs> he was one of the worst pitchers, not only in Atlanta, not only in the NL East, the National League, all of baseball, including Japan and Korea. He's awful. <laughs> Uh, and Steven that's Matz. overboard, but there's no point in drafting him. Steven Matz, uh, is, uh, somebody that I know the aces metric likes a lot that Aaron's going to talk about in a little bit. So uh, there are a lot of guys and, and I am always very active on the waiver wire that first week. Uh, you know, actually last year it was Tyler Skaggs. He was the guy the first time that he pitched first start last year. Um, I watched the start, came away very impressed. I think I saw the numbers and I watched the highlights, whatever it was. And I was like, whoa. Might have something here with Tyler Skaggs, so that was good. Be aggressive early in the season. Some of us are going to differ on that philosophy, but I'm very aggressive with the back end of my pitching staff, just trying to find those gems. I think like three years ago, it was Aaron Sanchez uh, I picked up after his first start, I believe, and uh, he, had a, he had a great year. I think he won the ERA title. Yeah, let's, let's not forget about him. You know, he's still, he still, he rates out really well by the Aces metric. He had a just a, a miserable injury-marred season last season, but... um. Still throws like that 96 mile per hour sinker that when it's on looks unhittable. So th- there's guys well past 100 that you can make a case for. Well, I think that more or less concludes starting pitchers. Although I think tomorrow, you know, Scott wrote a deep sleepers column. I know you all want to hear about AL only and NL only. So tomorrow we'll get a little bit deeper, talk about some real deep league guys in addition to wrapping up all of our position previews and recapping them. Uh, can, let's, can we do just one, one more quick piece of information about yeah. the very end of the draft at starting pitcher? Yeah. There are six starting pitchers over the last two years that have thrown at least 300 innings and had an, a FIP over 4.8. Okay. Andrew Kashner, James Shields, Marco Estrada, Mike Fires, Derek Holland, and Julio Tehran. Yeah, but Derek Holland's good now. He's one. The hatred, the Julio Tirado. Sorry, I brought Mike him up. I didn't realize good. that Julio Tirado offended you uh, so much. Hey, listen, subscribe to Sportsline. Great fantasy advice. Now is the time to get on Sportsline. Your drafts are coming up, so we've got great fantasy content and, of course, gambling content for you. And you want to try it for just $1 for your first month, go to Sportsline.com, sign up, and use the code VEGAS 
first month is only $1, and then it's just $9.99 after that for you know content that's going to win you a lot of money. So sportsline.com, code is Vegas, and sign up for our commissioner product if you want to play the best fantasy baseball. CBSSports.com slash FBT. Sign up and start playing on CBSSports.com. Again, that's CBSSports.com slash FBT. If you've played on other sites and you've never played on CBS, it's just the difference is just so noticeable right away. We're going to read some emails. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. Coming right back after this break. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. John writes in, says, Dear you, Max, Armando, and Yuzmero. I mean, they're pitchers. I don't yeah. know what the relationship between these pitchers I don't either. are. It's very strange. But they are, they're certainly all pitchers. Well, John says, Since last year, I've been very high on Eloy Jimenez. I plan to draft him this year. But I don't expect him to last until pick 100. So I think I'm going to reach for him, Eloy Jimenez, around 80-81. He already knows which pick he has. This may bite me later, but I want to reach for Eloy Jimenez. That brings me to my question. Who is one player you would reach for in your league? Well, I'm the guy because his ADP is right around 120, and I'm the guy, it seems like, in almost all of our drafts that's reaching for him around 80-81. I think in our most recent draft, podcast listener Kayla Van Horn took him at 75 or something, and I was not happy about that. So Eloy might be the guy for me, too. I don't think there's that big a difference between him and Vlad. Chris, reaching for anyone? All of Chris's picks are great value. Yeah. Well, re- no, recently, recently I've been reaching for Nick Senzel as it looks like he's got a a pretty good chance of cracking the open opening day roster as the starting center fielder. And I just, I really love his skill set. I think he could have a power, speed, and average in a in a really good park and lineup. I'm reaching for Tyler. I took Skanks. him 170th, I think. Uh, this next email is from Aaron. Dear Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. And apparently I am Dot. I don't remember. I don't know if that, it's probably an insult, but I don't remember if it is. They were, all three of the, the Warner siblings were great. I loved them all. I thought he was calling Adam a clown. No, it's, uh, the Animaniacs. Yeah, it's the Animaniacs, Heath. Yeah, I remember. God, 
old man. They had baloney in their slacks. Any recommendations for a cheap third base option who could outperform the first two or three weeks? I have Vlad in a keeper league, but I will need someone with good matchups or who's filling in for an injured guy that I can get for very cheap. So basically, who's a good third baseman to pair with Vlad? Uh, Marwin Gonzalez. I don't know how much his cost is going to go up. The problem is you can't play him at third base the first week of the season. That's the one position he's not yet eligible. Um, how about Taylor Ward? He's in Scott's deep sleepers column. Um, was absolutely miserable in the majors last year, but in the minors has been a power speed guy. Hasn't struck out very much at all. Uh, and with Zach Cozart dealing with, I think, a calf strain. He could be the opening day third baseman for the Angels. Um, if you're looking for someone that will be available with the very last pick of the reserve rounds, that that could be uh, one of your best options. Next email. We're trying to look up uh, who he's referring to in the greeting. It's from Simon in London, or just outside of London. Dear Tommy, Arthur, Flynn, and Polly. I thought that was Peaky Blinders, but it's not showing up on the Google. You guys don't watch Peaky Blinders, do you? No, I, I have never seen the Peaky Blinders. I'm gonna tweet who are Tommy, Arthur, Flynn, and Polly, and see if it's Peaky Blinders, which is a pretty good show based on one episode. Uh, I was wondering if you could discuss dynasty strategy in relation to rookies. In these leagues, people always tend to value prospects highly, and I understand why. But over the last couple years, I've tried a new tactic in our supplemental drafts. I take as many top twenty prospects as I can, if there are any left or any that have stood out in spring training, and then I spend the whole season trying to flip them for established top 100 players that are usually around 28 to 32 years old. It's worked for me in my 14-team league. For instance, last year I traded Harper, Tatis Jr., and Lewis Robert for Paxton, Bauer, and Jeffress. I've done a little research. In general, top 20 prospects have a very poor chance of making a top 100 overall player. Uh, over the last four years, only 19% of batters and 7% of pitchers have made it into the top 100 for this year. So I think you're, in general, better off flipping the talent far earlier for an established player and consistently challenging in your league. What do you think about that it's, strategy, guys? It's too bad Scott's not here because I think he would probably disagree with it. Um, I am, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think dynasty league players tend to look too far in the future and, like, the next two or three years are so much more important than years four through whatever because, I mean, let's be honest, your league might not make it four years from now. But even if it does, right. you know, Eloy Jimenez might end up being a pretty good outfielder. Justin Upton. That would be a really good outcome. I, I was thinking, like, if, if he's Justin Upton, that's probably like a 90th percentile outcome. The Like... The most likely outcome is probably something a little worse. And that's with a guy who's a really, really good prospect who all, who we all really like. It's easy to overstate how likely it is prospects will reach their potential. And this, this is the, the mystery boat or the mystery box versus a boat thing. We get really excited about prospects and we tend to, cause you can say they could be anything. Actual players are who they are. And once the prospect, especially once the prospect makes the majors, their value tends to go down unless they're Juan Soto or, or Ronald Acuna right away. Uh, Peaky Blinders, score one for me. I was right. This is from Taylor. Dear Jones, Shebler, Hembry, and Davis. Scott's? Adam no. Scott, Chris, and Heath. Come on. Uh, Adam Scott, Heath, and Chris. Jeez. 
Uh, and okay. that's the it's bad Chris Davis too. Twelve team points league, uh, but roto depth: corner infield, middle <laughs> infield, utility, nine pitchers. Am I crazy to consider taking maybe only one or two outfielders in the first fourteen or fifteen rounds, and then loading up on Winker, Bowers, Santana, Reyes, those types of guys? I don't think it's crazy. Again, it's the Scott strategy. Um, almost every draft we get to, I get to a point in the 10th round where I have four outfielders and I look at Scott and he has one or zero. So you can do it either way. I, I think there are too many great players that are outfielders to continue passing on them. Uh, there's too many times simply where the outfielder is the best player available for me. And like, we like the Winker and, and, and Santana and Reyes. Class. Don't skip Bowers and Bowers. Thank you. I got confused. It's okay. Uh, I got confused by the way the email was worded. Um, we like that class, but if two of them are top 50 outfielders, we would consider that a pretty good, right. uh, a pretty good sign of our prognostication power. As long as it's Santana and Bowers. Exactly. It's funny though, because if they finish, like if they play a full season and they finish 50th, that's terrible. Uh, you know, to think of like a top 50 outfielder. Because there's so yeah, many, I mean you that because it, it, there's so much streaming, you know. Like if yeah. you if you're a starting pitcher and you play if you pitch like 180 or more innings and you don't finish in the top 30, didn't have a very good year. Like David Price was 22nd last year, for reference. Rick Porcello was top 25. Uh, so if you pitch a full well, he season, was, he was great by some measures. Uh, so <laughs> you just just throw that out there. Last email here is from Chris in Cambridge, Ontario. Dear Warren, William, Hank, and Cy. I mean, I know they're old baseball players. Right. Oh, okay. Old pitchers. Warren Johnson, Cy Young. Walter Johnson, Warren Spahn. Yeah, Warren, Warren Spahn. Spahn. But there's no... Cy Young. <laughs> Who's William? William, William Warren. Mays. Hank Aaron. I don't know. I think it's Peaky Blinders. I play in a Wild West <laughs> head-to-head categories league. Listening to you guys talk about going RP heavy in this type of league, how many starting pitchers are you looking to take with this type of strategy? A couple of aces. I have two SP spots, and the rest are open-ended. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind at all just starting with my normal approach of wanting to get two of those top 24 starters and then never taking another starting pitcher. Would you consider going with two repasps? Uh, not Probably. Relief pitchers as starting pitchers. Yeah. So, uh, Wild West, is that, how do you interpret that? Is that no starting pitcher spots or no allotted? No, I think this is, this is, well, this is more like, um, not like the, the new frontier, not quite <laughs> to the Wild West, um, because this does require, I think this is probably a typical league on, uh, one of the other sites that runs these types of leagues. And you have two starters, you have two relievers, and then you have three bench spots. Or pitcher spots. I, or it I could was, be either. I was thinking you can only draft like Houston Astros, Seattle Mariners, uh, San Francisco Giants, that kind of league. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> Wild West. I like that. That's good. All right, let's do some news and notes, finish up the show. We got Team Name Tuesday as well, and a lot of stuff I didn't get to get to. But um, in the news and notes segment, are there any spring standouts that you guys would like to talk about? Uh, do it, Chris. Come on, be a homer. Well, this is, this be a homer. Is, this is the wrong duo of people to ask. But yeah, Lewis Brinson's been awesome. He's been hitting the crap out of the ball. He's got like a 
2000 OPS or something. He had a 950 OPS last year, which is really good, but he's doubling it so far. So he's going to be twice as good as he was last year. He might have like a 750 OPS. Um, I don't know how much it matters. I, I view something like Lewis Brinson having a really good start to the spring as less of like, oh, wow, Lewis Brinson's going to be really good this year and more of, Hey, Lewis Brinson still exists. Remember well, but, him? Yeah, I know. Don't but forget about him. I want to draft him now. Like, I'll, I'll give in. Sure. I, I want to draft him. Yeah, as in a reserve, in a reserve round in, in either a head to head or roto league, I think the upside's high enough. Um, he hasn't, he didn't like change his swing. There's been a lot of talk about his like quote unquote more patient approach. I don't know if that's going to stick. Um, he's had a good six games. I will say the Rockies second base yeah. competition is just absolute fire. Ryan McMahon's now 10 for 21, four doubles, a triple, a home run, and a 1466 OPS. Garrett Hampson, five for 16, two home runs, three stolen bases, and 1109 OPS. Uh, it's going, to, I'm really getting concerned this is going to just be both of them are platooning. Can we just get Garrett Hampson in center field? He could probably play it and then we could just not worry about Ian Desmond. Wouldn't that be great? That would be uh, great. The yeah. Mets' first base job is very similar, and I think Dominic Smith is a lot less interesting than Hampson or uh, McMahon or, frankly, Pete Alonso, who he's battling with. But he did change his swing this offseason, um, and the question was never the hitting ability. The question was whether the power would play up. Now, neither has been there in the majors, but you know he's, he's young enough that there could be uh, – a Justin Smoke, Yonder Alonso type career resurgence, and personally, I'm rooting against it. I would rather just see Peter Alonso <laughs> so get that mean. opportunity, but it's happening. They're both crushing the ball right now in uh, early spring. Greg Holland pitching poorly, and you know potentially battling it out with Archie Bradley for the closer's job there. That's one to keep an eye on. They're going to be very patient with Greg Holland, and Jeff Samarj is pitching well. And this is all just stuff from Scott's column yesterday. Uh, and, you know, he could be somebody in points leagues in particular that helps you out by throwing a lot of innings. Uh, if you want to listen to last year's starting pitcher preview for a great Jeff Samarja debate, there was some screaming and yelling and finger pointing in that one. Well, news and notes, Chris Davis <laughs> is questionable for the first two games of the season because the A's have those games on the 21st and 20th and 21st, I think, uh, right around there, mm-hmm. maybe 21st and 22nd, and he may not be able to make those. He has a calf strain. I think Malik Smith is in the same boat. Yes. And Heath, I saw you tweet out. about Marcelo Zuna's shoulder. Things looking better for Marcelo Zuna? Yeah, yeah. He's uh said he was pain-free, and uh, I, I moved him up considerably. He's back in my top 25 outfielder, I think, just barely. Okay. I probably still won't get him as high as some will, but it's encouraging. George Springer wants to run more, which would be nice. Yep. He doesn't run. Uh, Andrew, he lost he, like 12 or 13 pounds. Uh, All right. In the offseason with the with the the focus on running more. Andrew Heaney has left elbow inflammation. We talked about that yesterday. It doesn't seem to be a huge deal. Kevin Gosman on track to pitch this week. Jimmy Nelson making good progress. We didn't mention him in the late round picks, I don't think. Are you guys interested in taking uh, a I, shot on Nelson? I think I might have mentioned him. Yeah, there was some concern because he did a bullpen session. They had to pull him back. Um, and he's coming back from that shoulder injury that he suffered at the end of 2017. It was not a setback with his shoulder in that bullpen session. I think what happened was he like caught his cleat on the mound while throwing and like fell and landed awkwardly on his forearm. Um, 
but he was able to throw like a day later or the next or two days later. So it doesn't sound like that was a, a huge concern. Obviously, the question is whether he can come back from the shoulder injury and sustain the gains he made in 2017 when he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. I love taking him in the late rounds and just hoping that he can be 80% as good as that. All right, it's Jimmy Nelson. Aaron Hicks has back tightness, and as ESPN.com article pointed out, Aaron Hicks has been on the DL every single season of his career. Travis Jankowski, Padres outfielder, broke his wrist. He's going to be out a few months. You know, removes a little bit of a log jam, but he wasn't going to be a starter. Sonny Gray, uh, he's a little injured right now, but Gray has a chance to be ready for opening day for the Reds. He has an elbow issue, and he trashed the Yankees yesterday. Um, eh. it, no, you know, it was legit. He, he uh, yeah. you're right. You're right. Extreme. He said the Yankees wanted him to use his slider too much, that he doesn't command his slider, you know, all that well, and it was getting him in bad counts, and also negatively affecting his curveball because he wasn't throwing it enough. So, uh. I like Sonny Gray more now. Yeah, he, he. Do you really? Basically, what he said is the Yankees. <laughs> the, I do. I, I think Sonny Gray's being undervalued. I think he's in the 70 to 80 range, and we know he has upside beyond that. The, he said the Yankees were trying to get him to throw his slider for strikes, and he just, he said he can't throw it that way. And when he tries to throw the slider in the strike zone, he says, I, I think the quote is something like, it's just a spinning piece of bleep or something like that. Um, you know, he wants to bury his slider and throw the curveball for strikes. And it's a really interesting piece on the athletic about how he used, uh, you know, pitch tracking data in the offseason to, to improve his repertoire, especially his fastball. Okay. And Matt Kemp sounds like the odd man out in the Cincinnati outfield. That's good news for Winker. Good news for Senzel. Angels third baseman Zach Cozart has a grade one calf strain. He will almost certainly open the season on the DL. Tommy Lastella could get some starts while Cozart's out. And uh, they're making a Sandlot TV show, apparently. Sandlot TV show. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it a look. All right. I hope it's good. We got uh, Aaron coming up with his Aces interview. Let's finish up with some Team Name Tuesday on a Wednesday. Uh, I'm supposed to sing this one. Muncie to Shining Sea. That's awful. <laughs> the singing or the team name? Yep. Well, how about, oh, say, can you see Kikuchi? You say, oh, not God, you see. Terrible. I mean, no. it's a slant rhyme, Heath. Um, here, This one I'm supposed to do in the Jonah Hill voice from the movie Accepted. Ask me about my winker. That's good. I know Chris Towers likes that one. Um, I drafted Jose Abreu and named my team name Testicular Torsion. The guys in my league won't appreciate my graphic avatar. Last Man Stanton. Good. That's okay. Last Man Stanton. Last uh, year Chris's I had favorite show. Stanton Deliver. Um, Soto Popinski is great. Bregman Turner Overdrive is great. Recency Baez is great. Love it. Confortably Numb is great. Fantastic. I think we've had all of them. Thank you, Heath and Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for letting us be here today. And thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us into your home. Please enjoy a wonderful interview uh, with Aaron Sauceda. Talk about aces. Talk about pitchers who have the best stuff. To talk about why Clayton Kershaw, Tyler Skaggs, and some others didn't measure up so well on uh, with the aces metric. Here's Aaron Sauceda, and we will talk to you tomorrow. All right, Aaron. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. First time on the show. Great to have you. How you doing, man? 
Doing well, man. It's March. Beautiful day here in Southern California. Baseball's coming here. Talking to you guys. Uh, what, what, what's not to like about that? Oh my gosh, you're in Southern California. You were gonna you were gonna get up at five thirty in the morning to be on our <laughs> fantasy baseball. Now we, we, you know we're pre-recording right. this the day before, but you were gonna do that. Yeah, it's the prestigious fantasy baseball today <laughs> podcast. Yeah, exactly. Why wouldn't he, Adam? I don't know. I don't know. But Aaron is a uh, sports line contributor. And tell us about the oh wait first of all the sport I, I probably gave this already in the show but the promo code for Sportsline first month for a dollar is Vegas Vegas sign up on Sportsline.com use the code promo uh, use the promo code Vegas and get the first month for a dollar then it's only nine ninety nine after that tell us about the Aces metric Aaron. Yeah, definitely. So I, I we covered it in the piece on CBS, but so I've been following Eno Saris's pitching work since his Fangraphs days. He's now at the Athletic, and uh, I think his general pitching excitement just rubbed off on me. And loved his concept previously of those arsenal scores. Basically, what he did was measure whiffs and grounders of each of a pitcher's pitches, summed it to overall score. So I really liked that, but wanted something a little bit more about the stuff. So like when you see guys like Noah Syndergaard and Garrett Cole pitch, you know, you you look at it and you're like, okay, clearly, clearly he has good stuff. But what about others? And just wanted a more systematic way to measure that so we've had velo and movement data for a while but a huge missing piece of that was how well could a pitcher command their pitches so um you know we see now a step forward in that from stats so they've introduced a command plus metric and uh, able to see now at a per pitch level what what that command was so i thought hey wouldn't it be great to you know combine all of those things into a single metric reached out to Eno about it he liked it and yeah we just ran with it chris hasn't shut up about it since it it's, <laughs> it's great. It I'm, is I'm, pretty it's awesome. Really, I love because I, I love and and we we we've seen this a lot the last couple of years where we can like start to quantify this the things that we've been talking about in baseball for 140 years. Uh, you know, like we can now quantify power or raw power even based on you know average exit velocity or average exit velocity on fly balls and and now this is getting us to a point where. You know, we can take some of those scouting terms, you know, stuff or command and all, and we can put numbers to it. We can stop guessing uh, at least a little bit and stop saying, well, this guy's got better stuff than that guy. Well, you know, what if we have a way to measure that? That's why I think this is so fascinating. I think it's really I've had some really interesting insights as a result of it. It started to, you know, I talked about Nathan Ovaldi on uh, Tuesday's show. I started buying into him more when I saw that he's. I think 95th percentile in this stat or something really high. Yeah, 99th so, yeah. even. What, go, what goes Fourth into best. that? What goes into that? Tell us why Nate Evaldi, who's not a big, and maybe it's Nathan Evaldi, never know, not a big strikeout guy, is fourth on the aces list behind Garrett Cole, Noah Syndergaard, and Justin Verlander. Right. Well, it's really it's really a component of three things. So it's it's velocity, movement, and command. So uh, velocity just being you know the, the velocity of the pitch movement, both horizontal and vertical movement, and then command as measured by command plus. So it kind of just amalgamates the three uh, based on different weightings uh, for each pitch, and then you sum all of those up uh, weighted by their pitch mix. So you know if he throws his cutter thirty percent of the time, it's going to be weight his cutter. Uh, score is going to be weighted by that, and you know voila, you've got uh, you know a full arsenal. Uh, or aces metric based on that. So, do you think? Okay, how how far back does the data go with aces? Like, has has Evaldi always been great in this metric? You know, no. Or, or, so yeah, it goes back two years. We've only had command plus two years. We have okay. it for 2017 and 2018, and he missed 2017 because he was returning from Tommy John surgery. Okay. So we don't have it for him. Okay. Yeah, because I was wondering because maybe he was always a guy who had great stuff and. 
you know what I'm saying? Like, if we knew yeah. that, and he and he still wasn't so good, then it wouldn't have as much of an impact, I guess. But who are the pitchers yeah. when you when you put this together that really popped at you in a, either a good or bad way? Well, I think he's he's definitely one in the uh, in you know the top 90th uh, percentile. Um, I, I think it, it's hard not to start this conversation, even though it's pretty obvious with a guy like Noah Syndergaard, where he's just got. He's pretty. He's got everything that you want. He's got velocity. He's got movement on all of his pitches. He's got above average command across the board. He's got a wide depth of arsenal. I think he throws five pitches more than ten percent of the time. So he's, uh, you know, he's one of those just sort of the like the poster child of of an analysis like this. And I wrote up a few others that were maybe a little bit more surprising on CBS. And these guys are all going after pick two hundred. One of those guys that really surprised me was seeing uh, Zach Eflin at the ninety third percentile. Um, he's he's going after pick three hundred and. Uh, you know, he saw an uptick in velocity last year that really helped his performance jump, and he was really good in the first half. And again, you want, you, you want to be careful using splits like that, but um, I'm pretty intrigued by by his stuff and seeing if he can maintain that kind of velo going to this year, especially after pick 300. It, it's really not a, a huge cost at all. And in his case, I think there is a pretty good explanation for both why he got better in 2018 and then why he wasn't able to sustain that around the half season mark. And that was because, you know, he talked about pretty openly that. He had dealt with some leg injuries in 2016 and 2017, and he just wasn't able to get his legs under him. And so there was a really good fan graphs piece on this midseason where, you know, I think his arm slots lower because he's able to get more drive. He's able to push off his legs and get further down the mound. He generated more power. His velocity was up, I think, almost two miles per hour from 2017 to 2018. And then I think on his July 3rd start, I think he had a finger injury, and that's when things started to go wrong for him. So... I think he's one that you can kind of tell a pretty good story about. Okay, that's Zach Eflin, and yeah. Uh, he, so, so Chris, do you think you're gonna be drafting a lot of Zach Eflin? I think Aaron is responsible for all three Heath, Scott, and I liking Eflin now. Um, <laughs> you know, I think we've all pretty much. We probably all. I think we all mentioned him as our as a sleeper on Monday's show. Um, if not, we were fighting over it. So, right. I think we all definitely like. Uh, Eflin as a, you know, 18th to 20th round kind of guy with upside. Yeah, and Aaron, we also established that the Astros cheat. <laughs> but, uh, no, but um, the Astros get a lot out of their pitchers. That's what I meant to say. Cheat is an acronym. Yeah. It's like aces. Uh, I'm right. Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to figure out what it stands for. Yeah, back into it somehow. Yeah, um, but uh, what what can you tell us about some of the arms that they have and who might surprise us this year? Well, I mean, Josh James was was uh, everyone's favorite, you know, quote sleeper for the longest time, even though everyone was talking about him. Uh, so he he was definitely a favorite of aces as well. Scored a 97th percentile last year, even though we only saw him for 23 innings. So he was super intriguing. I actually think if you liked him before, you ought to like him more now as his price is probably falling. But um, now I think you, you got to kind of look at who's, uh, you know, what what his injury vacates there. And I think the two guys that are probably going to see uh, the most benefit from that are going to be Colin McHugh and, and Brad Peacock. And uh, because those guys were largely relievers last year, I don't really have the, the, the aces on them, but um, projections really like them. And I think on a per start basis, they rank pretty highly. So if you want to lean into some unpredictability and uh, volatility there, I think those are pretty fair bets probably going after pick 200, probably rising after the James injury. But I think those guys are, are definitely the, the biggest benefactors of James injury. By the way, uh, collectively help everyone achieve things. That is cheat. That is the cheat acronym. That's that's very good. Yeah, that, yeah. that definitely describes what the Houston Astros do. Everyone achieve things. That's now you now you need to come up with another one for pine tar. 
<laughs> that is great. Okay, I will. I will do that. Of course, that means I won't be paying attention to anything that you or Aaron said. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jordan Lyles is 92nd percentile. That's pretty good. And <laughs> he had some moments last year where it was like, hey, should we be picking up Jordan Lyles? What are we thinking I, there? He's one of those names where you know you do you do something like this, and he's one of those that pops out, and you're like, okay, like, did I do something wrong here, kind of thing. So you're not expecting to see a name like his, but I, I looked into it. I mean, he he does have good stuff. He he wasn't bad in 2017 either. He went from 73rd percentile in 2017 with San Diego to 92nd in 2018. And um, Fangraphs Jeff Sullivan, at least at the time, now with the Rays, um, he even noticed that a change in Lyle's pitch mix last year, where he started emphasizing more of his top pitches is forcing him his curve and less of a sinker and slider. So I think that was at least part of why we saw his aces rise. And then, um, yeah, he got signed to a pretty, pretty, uh, reasonable free agent deal this, this past, um, winter. And so he'll be battling for that fifth rotation spot on the pirates with Nick King. I'm not, not someone that I'm prioritizing a ton, but I think last I saw his ADP was after like pick 600. So in those, you know, 50 round draft and holds on the NFBC, that's definitely a nice target to have late. And Scott had him, I think in a, deep sleepers column that he published this week and you know you look at sierra he's at 388 last year which is it's not elite but it's certainly mixed league relevant very relevant it's not that far off from what like luis castillo i keep going back to him and and that's uh, probably getting annoying but it's not that far off from what he's done or from what jose barrios done i don't think he's as good as those guys but there is a little there is some evidence that he's better than uh maybe we give him credit for, or maybe even that he appears. Uh, so that's, um, sorry, that's uh, Jordan Lyles we're talking about. And Castillo also measures very favorably yes. in the Aces metric at 96%. Um, okay, so who else? I'll just, I'll just give you the floor, Aaron. Who else do you want to talk about here, good or bad? Well, I wanted to talk a little bit more about maybe this Dodgers uh, situation here. And I, I don't think necessarily there's a ton of, uh, aces exploitation to be had other than maybe Ross stripling, but we've already seen Kershaw get injured. We know how they manipulate the, uh, you know, the, the IL and, and such. So I think maybe looking at, um, you know, more of those guys and being willing to take on some more of that, uh, you know, weekly upside. And, and that's where I'm coming from. I play a lot of weekly leagues. So yeah. from my perspective, the way I think about it in season is, is this guy likely to see my, you know, my, uh, rotation for this week? And so as long as they're in the rotation, guys like Rich Hill, Guys like Kenta Maeda, guys like Ross Stripling will absolutely see, you know, they'll, they'll be pretty high-end starts for me. So I'm, I'm looking at those guys as, as long as they keep falling, I'm, I'm interested in, in scooping them up and then just starting them, you know, whenever, whenever I'm able to, especially in leagues where I can go play the wire and, um, you know, if, if they do end up missing time, which they will, um, you know, filling that somewhere else. And, and a very relevant thing to, to bring up here is um, Walker Bueller, who obviously has his rotation spot locked up. Uh, 92nd percentile by aces throws five pitches at least 10% of the time. And every single one of them ranks, I believe in the 76th percentile or better. Uh, so that's very wow. good. He's 20, 21st overall in baseball by this measure. Um, obviously nobody doubts whether Walker Bueller's good, but, uh, another one where it's nice to get some confirmation and Clayton Kershaw was 24th percentile last year. He rated yep. really poorly. Yeah, how how is grant. that? How, how is that? Oh my gosh, Tyler Skaggs <laughs> is thirty third percentile. Oh no, this is garbage. You know, <laughs> this is garbage. So actually, Adam's, Adam's going to hang up. Yeah, Adam, I know I know you had raised some some questions about maybe what are the limitations of aces, and I don't really want to you know talk about this as if it's 
some, you know, uh, perfect measure of anything. And I think one of the big limitations probably is the way that we look at lefties because it is weighting velocity, um, you know, Uh roughly 50%. um, Lefties just on average throw, they don't throw as hard as righties. And so I think they're going to be potentially overly, overly penalized in a metric like aces. So at the end of the CBS piece where we introduced this, I talked about, I identified basically eight questions, eight key questions for how we can further evolve this kind of research. And one of those was, should we be treating righties and lefties differently. And the other big one was just how important are velocity, movement, and command? That's a really tough question. It's not uh, it's not a trivial question by any means. So still just trying to figure out just how important each of those components are. Uh, we have a good, you know, educated guess as of now, but um, certainly more work to be done there. All right. That's really interesting because, you know, it does, I guess, give me a little bit of calm that Tyler Skaggs is, is there with Andrew Heaney, Rich Hill. Oh, Zach Granke. Yeah, Zach Granke stinks, man. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu, John Lester, other Southpaws, Jose Quintana, who have been good in recent years. And it does make me wonder if maybe like the command outliers can continue to, to outperform, you know, a guy like Granky or a guy like Kershaw, uh, who we think probably stand out even above the standouts in that way. You know, maybe, maybe this is one place where, where they can continue to, to outperform their expectations. And I, I just want to bring up two more guys um, as we wrap up here. By the way, would you say these players are putting in necessary effort to achieve results? Because they, if they are, they're using yeah, the pine tar method. Yeah, so um, Zach Wheeler and Nick Pavetta yep. are both two, very high on this list. They are. They are. Two really popular guys. I mean, I really like them. I think everyone does. I think the problem with them is probably just their ADP. Like, I was looking at uh, the NFBC ADP, and Wheeler's cracked into the top 90. I really like him, but I wrote, also wrote up his teammate, um, uh, Stephen Matz, who's going after pick 200, and, and Matz doesn't rank nearly as highly by aces. Again, he's a lefty, though, so maybe that's overly penalizing him. So I think I'd rather just take you know, the 150-pick-plus discount and take Matz, um, even though, again, yeah, I really like Wheeler. Um, Pavetta I really like as well. He, he's been maybe one of the most contentious guys to talk about this, uh, this draft season just because of his uh, poor results last year, but... As long as he's roughly kind of in that pick 150 range, I am interested. I just fear that he's going to be a guy continually getting pushed up um, because of things like aces, because of things like you look at his ERA estimators last year. They're a lot better than his actual ERA. I think people are starting to get on the Philly hype train. Maybe maybe even just things like Bryce Harper signing there are probably going to raise the collective price of Philadelphia players. So like both these guys. I think they're just. I think everyone else does too, and so I think it's going to be reflected yeah. in the price. Yeah, I'm going to do my part to lower the collective praise of the Phillies. They, they're everybody expects the defense to be better. Reese Hoskins dropped an infield fly ball today, so <laughs> no, drop all your Phillies. No, he dropped a pop up, Chris. You know, I said it pop-up. was a pop up. I said it was a pop up, and Heath was like, "I thought he was playing the infield." So there you go. But. Ugh. Stupid Heath. Okay, uh, Aaron, thank you for coming on. I hope we can have you on again. And um, please see his work on sportsline.com. You want to try it for just $1 for the first month, and then only $9.99 after that. Uh, Vegas is the promo code. Aaron, thanks so much. Yeah, anytime, guys. You have a good one. That is going to wrap up our episode of Fantasy Baseball today. On tomorrow's show, we're going to recap all of the position previews. So if you missed anything, stay tuned for that. And send us your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com.